out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Hello and welcome. This is the C86 Show. I'm David Eastall. As you know, we love a special guest. This week, it's going to be the turn of the drummer, guitarist and singer, songwriter as well. It is the one and only Jamie Oliver, who I spoke to very recently to find out more about life, love and poetry. Has been in lots of punky bands, including UK subs for quite a few years, but is now in Ultra Bomb, which is something of a supergroup as it features Greg Norton of Huskadoo fame and also Finney McConnell. And um, yes, it's a three piece. They have a new album out titled Time to Burn and are going to be touring America May 2023, finishing. Almost at the Las Vegas Punk and Bowling weekend. But anyway, this is the interview with Jamie. So after several minutes of interesting but casual chat that gets edited out, we get down to that exciting subject that was the early formative years. Jamie, it's over to you. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, my mum was always into kind of Guns N' Roses and and those kind of those kind of rock bands, you know. Um, and uh, and and sort of, you know, growing up, I was kind of I played basketball. I listened to a lot of kind of rap and stuff. And um uh yeah, then then I remember walking into school one day and um you know I was late as usual and it was absolutely pissing it down. And um I walked into class and there was this this lad sat there that I'd never seen before, and I kind of walked in looking like a drowned rat and I and I, I said, Oh, new kid, oh okay, cool. You know, now but the thing is because I'd been, you know, to quite a lot of different schools growing up, we, we kind of moved around quite a lot. Um, I kind of understood what what was you know what what it was like to be the new kid all the time. So I introduced myself to him, and um, you know he said he played guitar, and his his brother was in a band, and he wanted to put a band together. And I said, well, you know what what kind of band do you want to do? And he said a punk band, and um, and I was kind of just like, well, okay, all right. He said I've got a bass player, um, but we need a drummer. And I said, well, my dad knows how to play the drums, so maybe I can get him you know, to, to show me a beat or whatever, and I can be the drummer. And so that's what I did. And then just fell in love with it. Absolutely fell in love with it. And, you know, then I started just, you know, discovering the, these, all these bands like the Sex Pistols and the Roots and Nirvana and Tool and, you know, all these all these bands that I'd never even, that hadn't been on my radar at all. Yes. And, um, and just, just fell in love with drumming. And that was my, that was my musical awakening. That yeah. was it. That was the moment. So yeah. when were you, what, where were you born? Where did you grow up? That's the I was born in Coventry. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I basically, my mum, we moved, my mum was really young. My mum was 15 when she had me. And um, we moved to Bedworth, like a, a little town up just outside Coventry. And um, and then uh, she met a guy that turned out to be paranoid schizophrenic and was a bit nuts. And um, and we went through this period of moving around and I was starting, you know, new schools all the time and all that kind of thing. And um, yeah, and then we ended up settling in Nuneaton, which isn't yeah. far from Coventry. Yes. Um, my God. Yeah. Well, I had a, my friend who I grew grew up with at school. I come from East Anglia, the depths of the countryside, so culturally it wasn't that great, but it was all right. But um, I had a friend who, when he finished university, he he ended up living in uh, Nuneaton because he worked for FedEx Federal Express, and that seemed to be sort of I don't know, 
the nearest place to their office when he was kind of in the UK and then he went over to Brussels and lived there for about 30 years so I did come to Nuneaton it's one of those places isn't it you probably not a lot of people go to but there you go yeah well now now they've got there's a venue called the Queen's Hall um with a pub downstairs called the crew and they're they're putting on some really good gigs all the time so so now there's people traveling to Nuneaton for punk gigs and you know metal gigs and just general rock gigs all all the time so it's kind of it's going to put it on the map yes absolutely so what decade what decade because obviously you're not born in the 70s are you or no i was born in 84 right my god 84 the smiths had just started my goodness you're so (laughs) young at that stage so when so did you yeah so you didn't have any older brothers or sisters who who sort of gave you any kind of influence or had any impact on your life it was kind of no, not really um my dad was always into into like rush and you know my mum was into rock and stuff and so i kind of i knew those bands those old bands were on, on my radar um but you know it wasn't until i started playing music that I, I really you know really got into it yes so then that means that you were sort of it was the kind of late 90s when did you leave school at 16 then yeah Mm-hmm. And that was it. And then did was it a case of going into work or did you at that stage, were you playing music kind of full on or full time? Well, my my dad kind of taught me how to do uh, to use Photoshop and Illustrator and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and he got me a work placement, um, you know, for work experience, working in a design studio yes. uh, for, for a local print firm. And um, so then I left school. And I wanted to do media. I was going to do media studies. And um, I got offered a job at this print print company, worked there for the summer. Um, and then I went to enroll at college. And, and it was kind of like, it sounds really cheesy to say, but it was kind of like a, like a crossroad moment when I got there. I had my enrollment form and the money to enroll on this media course. And I got to the college um, and I heard someone having a drum lesson you know so I could hear someone drumming across the car park and I just had this moment where I was just like uh just you know it's either do the media thing or or music and I and, and I just went and enrolled on the on the music course you know in a split split decision that's fantastic <laughs> that is such a great moment isn't it it's like a Hollywood yeah. film really yeah yeah something from Daisy Jones and the six that's just come yeah. out on Amazon Prime you sort of <laughs> went for the dream and that actually so then from then did you spend the two or three years at college doing music yeah um yeah so I studied um music uh popular music um it was a national diploma technological diploma and I it was kind of cool actually because um there was a guy called Carl Brazil who's a quite well-known session player and he was teaching at the college he was you know just teaching drums and um i think it was every i think it was every monday we 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 were supposed to have you know like 20 minutes with him or something and none of the kids were showing up so i asked if i could have their time and so he he you know he, he let me have their their time so i was getting you know an hour and a half with this guy you know every every week sort of thing where whereas everyone else was just like ignoring the lesson and yes and so it just skyrocketed my playing really really quickly and then um yeah and then i then i started doing some like session work and playing for loads of loads of different bands and then then by the time i was 20 um well actually when i was 18 we went on tour with uk subs and sham 69 i was playing in a band called dragster right 
And uh, yeah, and then about a year and a half later, one of my friends said, you know, Charlie Harper from UK Subs is trying to get hold of you. Um, so I call, called my friend Simon, because he's one of these guys that kind of knows everybody. And um, he gave me Charlie's number. So I called him and he said, yeah, do you want to come and play for the subs? Actually, he said, Nicky Garrett really liked the way you played, but I can't remember you because I was looking at your, your singer's tits. <laughs> <laughs> but Nicky says you're really good. So do you want to come and join us? <laughs> Excellent. There you go. Old, old rock and rollers. They're a bit weird. Yeah. A bit pervy. But that was a different decade, wasn't it, really, when people could say it was sex, drugs and rock and roll and not go to prison <laughs> for it. So so with, with Dragster, did you you did you release several albums actually? Step into the death um, ray. Yeah, that was uh, I think that that was after me. I was I, I wasn't in the band for that that long. Um I can't I can't remember how long I was in them for. Um but um yeah, I think I think during the time I was with them, we only I think we only recorded a single or something. Right. There you yeah. go. So what was it like sort of suddenly being you must have looked so young compared to these old wrinkly men? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was um it was quite a, a weird one because um, you know, like I I was kind of in between I think I was in between uh hang on, when when did I left? college when i was 18 oh yeah i was working in a graveyard um yeah i was working as a grave digger um Excellent. i think there was a guy you know? from the dam who's who, who was a grave digger for a while yeah i think oh. dave vanian was wasn't he that's it yeah so yeah. everyone has to do it really god that's fantastic yeah, yeah so did... it went from th that to playing in you know an internationally touring band you know like going all over the place yeah god that must have really Gave you so when you were sort of at that early stage of drumming, did you did you go through different you know did your lecturers kind of give you tuition into different styles of music at that stage and different different drummers to sort of emulate? Yeah, I mean, like, well, Carl is is a pretty you know he's a pretty um, well rounded drummer. He's in you know he's I mean he's an amazing drummer, um, but he was kind of teaching me lots of different loads of different styles and and at that point I was I was kind of into a lot of different things anyway you know I was like you know trying to notate loads of different prog bands and you know all this kind of stuff just to figure out what they were doing yeah um but yeah a lot of the time I actually didn't spend in college apart from the the drum lessons you know a lot of the time I went and hung out with my mates in their their college and in the neat and <laughs> so were you always going towards the world of rock and sort of punk did you ever sort of go and sort of try other styles or was it were you was your um, emotional heart always drawn drawn to that that world i played in the north warwickshire jazz orchestra for a little while um for a few months but just jazz just isn't my thing <laughs> you know it's not I, I like the spirit of punk i like the the energy of the you know the fast loud music you know yeah, and like the kick drum hit you here, and you know. And what was your first record you bought and went out and sort of got? Oh God, um, God. I mean, I remember when I was a kid. Um, my mom used to give me pocket money, and I bought "Remember You're a Womble." God, that's so cool. That's brilliant. I love that song. That's, um, that's kind of weird because that was the early 70s. How come you managed to score a copy of that in... I, I don't know, but I, I, I used to love the Wombles. 
I don't blame you. That is such a <laughs> lovely story. I know Mike Bat from the Wombles. I think I think Chris Spedin, who was also one of those guitarists who played on like thousands of records, and he did a a song in the seventies called Motorbike In. He was kind of famous. He, a lot of people know who Chris Spedin, but I think he was a guitarist with the Wombles for a while. You know, he was the one who was in the studio recording some of their tracks. I think they had some quite famous people playing with them. So, so there you go. Remember what was the B side? Oh God, I, yeah, I can't remember. It was so long ago. I mean, I was probably, I mean, that was that was when I was a kid, you know. Like, yeah, I mean, not, re- not recently. <laughs> before I kind of discovered, you know, music. Before I started playing and stuff. Um, but after, but after that, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I seem to remember um, buying Remedy by the Black Crows. Right. Um, pretty early on, and I was really into Skunk and Nancy, um, and I, I think I had all of their all of the um, records at one point and yeah. all of the demos and singles. <laughs> yeah. Well, I always remember Lemmy from Motorhead. I think he did one of these kind of, it was on six music and I used, I loved Motorhead. And um, yeah. so I listened to his kind of choice of like, I don't know, about 10 songs. And he was a really big Skunk and Nancy fan. And I, you know. Yeah, great band. They just had a great sound, actually. Did you yeah. start listening to different rock drummers like Filthy Taylor from motorhead and think oh that was an interest and how did you manage to do that or yeah you... of course yeah yeah everyone goes through through that <laughs> i think um but yeah it was just like i, I think um I, I was obsessed with a what was it i just want to remember which motorhead there was a motorhead live album that i was kind of obsessed with at one point was um, that the no sleep to a hammersmith one or uh, that was an early one but then might... it might have just been called live live and loud or something right it might have actually it might have actually been a bootleg, I'm not sure. Yes. Well, you know, the first three albums. Actually, though, you know, everyone always talks about the classic lineup in the early seven late seventies, early eighties. I still think the the last couple of that last five years of Motorhead were fantastic. There were periods in between where, you know, the nineties and oh years, you know, some of it wasn't great. But actually, I think when they got a really good producer for their last three albums, they're just stunning, really. really yeah. Stunning. So um Yeah, it was fun touring with them. We toured with them in 2011. Did you? Yeah, yeah. It oh. was um UK subs, uh Anti Noah League and and Motorhead. Blimey. What uh, was it like sort of having the presence of Lemmy there just lurking? Um, it was really cool. I think it was the second show we played. Like we came off stage, and I was packing my stuff up behind the behind the stage. Um, and um, he came up and he said, "You're a really good drummer." And I was like, "I respect." I mean, I'd met him before, but yeah. I respect that. And um, and I said, "Man, you had an amazing show last night." And he looked genuinely taken aback by by me saying that. And he was he was like he just looked shocked, like <laughs> you know. Um, and then he then he said, "I'm Lemmy," and I was like, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, I, I you know I saw you know they were amazing to see live the power they kind of created. Yeah, was, yeah, was very awesome. loud, very loud, yeah, very loud indeed. I remember so, this one 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 show we did. It was a, an all seated one in Newcastle, and um, and my mate had came down and he was just like hands on his ears just going oh my god this is so loud <laughs> <laughs> yes so what was your first gig apart from god if it was the wombles i'll be really impressed actually but um what was the first gig you went to um god i mean what you mean like a like a like a major gig like yeah a... it's sort of when you sort of went there you know because often that first time you went and saw a band live and yeah. you know it was kind of quite 
excite and the lights went down the band walked on you thought they were gods didn't you and then i can't even you know... remember <laughs> <laughs> yes that's um, yeah I, I can't remember i mean i remember going to see um pitch shifter it was a um i think they played Reading festival i was like 15 years old i think i think I it was need... 15 um yeah my my dad had um my dad was working down in Reading and um and I was a, a massive Slipknot fan. And uh they were playing the same year as Pitch Shifter, and I would love Pitch Shifter as well. And uh I think he gave me like my, I think my dad was like, Oh, I'm skint, but he's you know, you can have like here's three quid to get some crisps and a drink or something. And I just went and hung around outside the, the festival, see if I could see anything or hear anything. And um and a woman gave me a, a pass because her, her son had had a, um, a car crash or something and she she, she needed to go and, um, yeah, see her son. So right. She, she said, if you not got a pass? I said, no. She said, yeah, you can have this one. And it was a, um, a VIP pass. So I got to go around and, you know, um, it was like talking with the charlatans and, you know, <laughs> all these bands hanging out backstage and stuff. So that was really cool. Um, that, I think exciting. that might have been probably the first... Or one of the first that I'd, that I'd been to. Yes. Yeah. Fine. But apart from that, like we used to, you know, when we when we put our little first band together, I, we started a band called Malachi, and um, you know there was there was a um, this old dilapidated building um, that was being renovated, and they were going to open it up into a, a, a venue or a, or a pub or whatever, and um, they opened it up, and it was run by the Outlaws. And we needed, we, you know, we didn't have any money. We didn't have any, you know, we'd only just got our equipment together and uh, we didn't have anywhere to practice. So we went down there and we asked if, if um, you know, if we could use the room upstairs because we knew there was a good chance that they hadn't renovated it yet. Yeah. And, um, and, and so we started rehearsing there and we did our first gig there. And pretty soon we started finding out that there was all these other bands around our age group you know, putting on shows and stuff. And, and we kind of built this whole scene. So we had loads of loads of gigs that we were going to all the time every week in, in the Neaton. And there was a really good scene. Yeah. Yeah. So we had loads of little gigs, but yeah, I think that, that pitch shifter one was probably the biggest, the, the, the first big one that I went to. Yeah. So yeah. when you were on the, in the UK subs, were you, did you sort of feel part of the band, even though they were quite established, or were you always like the new kid who's sort of appeared? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, like, I kind of felt like a lot of people were kind of looking at me like, who's this Who's this kid, do you know what I mean? But yes. equally, I've kind of felt that I, I deserved to be there because I'd, you know, I'd put the work into practicing and, and everything, and I'd been picked up for my talents, you know? Yeah. So on yeah. here it says in in was it so so you joined the band was that like 2007 time? No, 2005. Right. Yeah. So when it says you were a drum you were a contestant on the UK quiz show nothing but the truth. Yeah. That, what's the story with that one? Um yeah, um yeah, I was living in London with a bunch of crazy punks and uh I think I signed up for it when I was drunk or something. <laughs> and then suddenly I got this call saying, Hey, do you want to go on, on this uh on this show? And I was like, Yeah, give it a go. And um, yeah, it was they they kind of hook you up to a lie detector and ask you all these embarrassing questions and stuff. 
Fantastic. And, yeah, then, and, did, and did you come out with any money? Oh, no, I didn't. No. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah, because they, 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 the question was, have you ever had a, ever had a toilet accident during sex? And I and I said it wasn't an accident, so no. <laughs> and they they said it was a lie. So, <laughs> and that was the end of that. Oh well, never mind. So, when was the first time you went in the studio to record an album with UK subs? Oh God, um, that would have been during Jet's era. Um, I'm not sure what year it was. It might have been. Um, it was the Work in Progress album. Right. I'm not sure what year. I can't remember. Yes. What um, was the sort of, what was their recording sort of method? Did they, did you kind of jam together? Did you, did some people no, just... just go in, like everybody, each member writes um, three songs and then we go in the, in the studio and figure it out. <laughs> right. Yeah. And what was it? And then, so what part did you play in that? Um, well, I play guitar as well. Um, so, you know, each album we'd we'd literally write three songs each and just take them to the band in, well, when we're in the studio. Yes, blimey! What was it? I mean, did you did sort of playing guitar come quite sort of easily alongside the drums? Um, yeah, um, yeah. I only I only started learning because um, in my first band, our bass player was so crap <laughs> he needed help with you know figuring out what the notes were and stuff so so i started learning just to show him really and then i just just stuck with it and yes yeah yeah and and sort of lyrically where did you sort of pitch yourself at this stage oh god we were, at, at that stage yes oh god we were writing about killing slugs <laughs> 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 um which we didn't do by the way um <laughs> um yeah very juvenile and then so well, how long did you stay with the uk subs for oh um oh i'm not oh, oh i wasn't i wasn't talking about then i was talking about my first ever oh time. right god yeah, yes yeah. That was so very... i've been playing I'd, when i started playing guitar I'd, I'd been playing drums for about probably six months right and but i'm talking about the bass player in in my first band my first yes ever, you know i started learning then um but yeah sorry what was the question Yes, on the on the sort of the UK, you know, when when you're recording with the UK subs, going through the recording process, you said you all wrote sort of three songs and then took them into the studio. And I just was yeah. kind of curious what your sort of lyrical direction was at this stage. Oh, Charlie would do the lyrics. Yeah, so we we just you know come up with the music for for three songs each, and then we take it in the studio, record it, and then Charlie would write the lyrics while we were in there right i've yeah. got it now and did it sort of all come together kind of quite smoothly at this stage yeah pretty much um yeah yeah i'd say pretty pretty much i mean it was quite that the subs are really efficient you know not in terms not not just in terms of the the you know music but um just the way they do everything they're really super super organized everything's you know they're on time they're you know I don't get too pissed to do do stuff and everything and um and that kind of you know that kind of um I don't know what the word is but um it, it it's that that's kind of reflected in the way they they are in the studio as well yes everything's so, really efficient get they get things down really quickly and get the job done you know yes 
So then just looking at this, you you recorded, then was it Brand New Age you recorded in sort of 2019 with them? Um, no, uh, we did, I think we did a Brand New Age tour. Why me? It's kind of, because there's so many records that the UK subs have done. Which ones did yeah. you play on? God, it's so complicated. I played on, there was... Um, Oh God! There was an an uh, a, a EP, um, which was just called Warhead. Uh, I played on a couple of singles. Um, then I played on Work in Progress, Right, uh, XX, One V, um, Yellow Leader, Zizo, and then the latest one, uh, which I can't. Oh, Reverse Engineering, um, and. What else? I think that was it. And that was it. Actually. Yeah. So, how did lockdown? Sort of when lockdown came, did you? Was there lots of sort of plans for you know 2020, and then suddenly everything had to change? Yeah. Um, yeah. I was actually we 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 had our tour cancelled. Um, obviously, you know, we went into you know we we were kind of anticipating that lockdown was going to happen, and um, and then I got a call from the Mahones just i think it was like the next day after we had the tour cancelled and um and finney kind of kind of said jay i need a need a drummer and i said when he's like tomorrow I'm like fuck um so and so he said we're playing in london i'll pick you up and and all that so i had to learn their stuff and then i went on tour with them and then we went into lockdown when while we were on tour right so we you know we were stuck in germany and uh, we spent a week in germany trying to get back and um yeah and then and then all the all the tour plans were cancelled, and then I think we came out of lockdown. Uh, we scheduled in the recording session for reverse engineering, and then we went back into lockdown. And so we did we did it kind of just you know home recording, right? I actually programmed the drums for it. My God, that's amazing! Actually, I, I didn't actually play. <laughs> Yeah, blimey! So were the Mahones another band that you're still in now, or is that sort of? Yeah, I'm sort of, yeah, I, I sort of do, I play with them when they need me, basically, on an as and when basis. Yes, my God. But, because I think I sort of suddenly came across you, because you're, you're sort of, because it was, was it the, the Las Vegas Punk Museum that you sort of got a few connections with? So how yeah. did, so how did that sort of come about? Because I've been following this museum sort of beginning quite, a, you know, about a year or so ago. And it's I got an amazing, interview. isn't it? Yes, it is truly amazing. So how did you how did they get involved or how did you get involved with them? Um so our manager with Ultrabomb um she is the uh manager of Me First and the Gimme Gimmies and she I think she was like one of the organizers of the Warp Tour and and all this sort of stuff and she puts on um you know individual shows as well. Yes. And she uses the girl that we've got as our PR um agent in america and um and she is also doing pr for the punk rock museum is that melanie yeah that's melanie yeah oh blimey O'Reilly. right so i've got an interview with her next week so it's just oh, really okay. curious so cool. then that was your connection yeah 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 so what's the museum like i haven't been there right have you donated any stuff wait. to it yeah, I get a friend Richard used to work for Converse, and he had Converse make these UK sub shoes, and they put the album the album cover for mm -hmm. uh, 
yellow leader on it. Yes. And, uh, which was re- it's a really cool cover actually because it's the um Roy Lichtenstein uh you know the 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 wham thing. Yes. Um and, and we actually had to get permission from the Roy Lichtenstein uh society to use that. Um so they put these on 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 the shoes and we got two pairs each. I think they only made 25 pairs. And so I donated mine as well. Blimey, they, yeah. I would imagine you. There must have been a lot of sort of legality of getting his image, a bit like the Warhol stones, really. Now they just said give him a credit in the in the um, album insert. Jesus, that's so is cool. It? That is yeah. so casual. You'd have thought they would have been very sort of worried about that. So how yeah. did then Ultra Bomb come along? Um, well, I think it it was. Uh, I think Greg was playing in a band i can't remember what they were called um but evidently something happened i think he fell out with the band or something and um or the singer had you know i think uh, it was something like the singer had replaced all the members without telling them or something something like that right and, uh, and so finney kind of messaged him finney's a massive huskadoo fan and um and finney was like said to him hey you know we should put a band together i know this great drummer and greg was up for it and so finney called me and said hey do you want to do a band with greg norton and i was like fuck yeah <laughs> so you're, so this is kind of a new project that's that's come together with all of you sort of starting at the same time yeah blimey o'reilly because because yeah. because the uk subs kind of finish in a slightly poor way doesn't it yeah yeah <laughs> was that a kind of a shock how that happened or um what? Yeah, I mean, you know, basically, you know, um, for anyone who doesn't know, it was, uh, I'd basically put on Facebook, when David Amos, the, you know, the Tory MP, he got stabbed. Yes. Killed I find, when I, well, to be honest, when I say yes, it's like, a post, yeah, I vaguely remember. Yeah. Well, I'd put on Facebook, I said, oh, well, one down, basically. Um, and, uh, you know, I just thought people would take it for what it was, just a, you know, kind of harsh joke you know yes (laughs) because people know me you know but but apparently not apparently people you know thought that i genuinely was happy that this guy had been stabbed you know Um, yes couldn't be further from the truth (laughs) um and so you know i think someone called charlie and said oh you know my right-wing mates are threatening to come down and kick off and all that and and the band were just like well you know Right. Oh God, I didn't. You know, it's it's by you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, at, at their age as well, you know, they're not going to, you know, I I kind of understand it because you, you can't really expect them to be, you know, kicking off with people at, at their age and that. But it was a bit. I, I kind of just felt, oh fucking hell, you know, that sort of thing of being like, oh God, what a mess. <laughs> yes, God, that was. um yeah, I, I, I was. Yeah, okay, that was a bit tricky. So, what did you? Was that kind of a, a nightmare of a period for you, sort of having to come out of the UK subs? Not really. No. Um, I mean, I just thought it was. I, I thought it was kind of like almost funny at the time. Just, just you know, just something so, uh, just not serious. Do you know what I mean? Something that I, I couldn't believe that the reaction that that got from people you know and of course at this at this point when i actually posted it um i didn't even know that he died from being stabbed i didn't even know he was dead at that point i just i just heard that he'd, he'd been stabbed and was in hospital you know yes um, but you know i mean 
I, I was I, I was kind of surprised more than anything that people would take it seriously, you know. Yeah, blimey. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I don't know. It's a it's a tricky one, but uh, these things kind of happen. Did you then sort of find yourself thinking, oh blimey, I've got to now find another musical outfit to sort of be part of? No, not really, because I've always had you know loads going on. I've always had lots of lots of things going on and playing with different bands and you know I've got my own stuff going on and writing my own album. Um I've got my own band. Um and then, you know, and we'd we'd started Ultra Bomb as well. Yes. Um so it wasn't it wasn't like that. I was just I was more gutted that I wasn't, you know, because the subs have been my family for, you know, since I was 20 years old. Yes. You know, and that that was what kind of hurt the most the fact that i wasn't you know gonna gonna get to hang out with them and 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 all that you know yeah god that is tricky isn't it so with the mahones so that's another tour that you uh band that you're still sort of working with and touring with yeah and then ultra bomb is another one that you're going to also be working with but they're are they all based in america apart from you yeah finney lives in toronto greg lives in minneapolis um and then I've recently been playing with Anti Nowhere League. Right. Well, um, we just played we just played with the subs actually in uh Scotland. So it was kind of cool to see them and hang out and all, you know. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <Both of them. laughs> and did you look at the new drummer and go, blimey, mate? Well, go. I know Stefan anyway. You know, Stefan played with um T V Smith. Well, I'm not sure if he's still playing with T V Smith. I think he is. Right. Uh, yeah, so I've known and we've toured together and, you know, all that. Yeah. So with the Ultra Bomb, because I'm just looking at your tour lined up in May, this yeah. is, um, you've got quite an intense period, haven't you, in about two weeks' time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So with that, do you, have you got a whole set lined up for that? Um. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're going to play the whole album Um. and we're going to do some, Um. I think we're doing like one sub song. We're doing a couple of, uh, well, a few Huskadu songs and a couple of Mahone songs. Um, and I think we're doing a couple of Grant Hart ones. And uh, yeah. Blimey. So yeah. when you, I remember talking to Woody Woodmansey, who was talking about doing some show with Tony Visconti, you know, like a David Bowie thing. And um, when they got together, he'd, they only spent like a day before the tour started. How long do you give yourselves before you hit the first date in on the 11th? Well, I'm flying out to Minneapolis on Monday, um, and Finney's flying out on the seventh. Um, so then the tour starts on the eleventh. So we'll have three full days of rehearsal, right? And, and go, go through out. it. Do yeah. you sort of are you able to sort of rehearse and practice it all and have it all finally down before you turn up? Um, yeah, me and Greg are going to probably just um, there's a, there's an app called Stems. I don't know if you've heard of it, but um, you can basically pull out certain instruments on it. So you load up a song and then then you can, there's a fader for the drums and a fader for the guitar and a fader for the bass and all that. So we're going to we're going to use that to pull out the the um, the guitars and bass. So I'll probably just play guitar along with Greg and to, to the album and that. And um, yeah, we'll just run through just like that until Finney gets there. And then we go into the studio and uh, and rehearse for a few days. Right, blimey, that is that is so exciting, and you end up at the the punk 
the Vegas Punk Bowling weekend. That is going to be amazing. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> really can't wait. We're doing so we're talk, the tours with Barstool Preachers, and then when we get to Vegas, we're doing um, a show with Dickies, which is sold out now. Um, and then the next night, which is the festival, um, we're playing with Dropkick Murphys, Suicidal Tendencies, and L Seven. Yes. Yeah. And you're going to have good weather at the same time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so on that in that band, are you drumming or guitaring? By the way, I'm uh, drumming. Yeah, I'm drumming. Right. What's it like working with Greg, who's you know the legendary, you know Huskadoo bass player? Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty good. Um, he's a he's a character. <laughs> that's for sure. Yes. Uh, we talk every day. You know, we're on our group chat, uh, group chat, and we we talk every day and. You know, when we went, when we did the album, um, we'd actually never met before, and we went straight into the studio with no songs and just, you know, churned out <laughs> the album in four days. Um, and uh, yeah, and and you know, we've only done one gig so far, which was in Minneapolis last last year. Right. So we've only actually met a couple of times. And did you have it? Who was your producer on the album? Um, guy called Hannes um at studio 25 in berlin right um but again you know we'd never met him before he's you know he just engineered it and then we took the audio files uh and then we got pat collier to mix it in the end the famous pat collier as well yeah. mm -hmm. so who who was the who's your who's the label you're with oh uh, dc jam they're called dc jam um i don't know much about them myself um, but I know Darren is a good friend of Greg's and uh, Greg really wanted to go through them. So, yeah, we, we decided to do that. My God, that's Initially, it was supposed to be through a Canadian label called, uh, what were they called? I can't remember what they were called. Um, but when they heard the album, they said, oh, this is too punk. <laughs> this is too punk for us. We're a folk label, you know, because the Mahones are kind of, you know, that folk punk crossover yes sort of thing and i think they were expecting more along those lines um so they actually yeah they they kind of rejected the album that was a de devastating moment actually wasn't it really so what have you got after the the sort of the american tour next month what's what's your next um what's the next date on your calendar um i think we were talking about doing europe in sort of like october november time yeah you know? and in the uk um yeah any more any more session work or any more recording in studios for any other bands um oh god i'm trying to think i've got so much going on i'm, I'm setting up a drum school at the minute um in london uh so i'll be teaching in between touring and gigging which, I, which i've never really done before but um I'm kind of excited about it um but then, yeah, there's some Mahones ones. We're doing a festival with Pennywise. Um, I think there was, I think, yeah, I've got some Four Foot Fingers ones, some anti Noah League gigs. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of trying to remember, trying to remember it all is crazy, you know. I did see, I saw your sort of notes on, on a train going to a gig with, you know, writing down what you needed yeah. to play. Is that quite, are you, are you very adaptable on this front? Yeah, it seems like it seems like I'm starting to become the guy that everybody calls when they're they need a drum drummer really last minute. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> and <laughs> and that one was the Strawberry Blondes, and their uh, their drummer I think did his back in, and he ended up in hospital. And um and so I got a message from him saying, hey, oh, we've got this gig tomorrow. We haven't played in ages, and you know, would you would you be up for doing it? And I was like, well, I don't know the songs, but I'll give it a go. You know, so I learned the songs on the way, on the way there. And so when you <laughs> so when you were listening to the songs and you're yeah. making your notes, you know, did you do you sort of manage to sort of get a pattern down on on paper of what you need to play, and then you can sit behind the kit and just kind of follow that, or do you sort of play by ear when you're behind the kit? Yeah, I sort of, I, I sort of. I make little notes about, you know, like what the intro will be. So there's one or, or the tempo or something like that. Right. So um, on my notes, there's one page, which I think is on that that picture you saw. Yes. Uh, where it's it's sort of like I think it said um, my Sharona intro or something, because the drums are the same as the intro for my Sharona. Right. And and so that's how I remember that one. Then once we're in, once we're into the song, then I've got the structure all written down. And and then I have this little symbol with a circle. If it's got a circle with one line through it, then it's closed hi hats. Yeah. If it's a circle with two lines through it, then it's open hi hats because that's what. If you look at the hi hat from the side on, yeah, it kind of when it, when it's closed, it looks like a circle with one. Yeah, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I've got my yeah, own, yeah. own little symbols that are kind of kind of follow. Yeah, that's so, amazing. Yeah, I mean, because because I've done quite a lot of interviews, bizarrely with quite a few drummers, and there's been two who had real problems with the click track in the studio and sort of suddenly becoming tormented and it kind of destroyed them in a way because the producer sort of hammered them they kind of get removed from the band they end up with a you know a drug addiction and living sort of in a car how do you yeah. how do you manage to sort of yourself deal with the studio pressure and the and the producer and the famous click track i love it i prefer working to a click if i if i could i'd do every single gig to a click but nobody wants me to <laughs> right so your timing is immaculate uh if i play to a click yeah you know you're a tidy drummer yeah I, 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 if i'm not I, I do tend to uh get a bit a bit excited especially if i've had a drink <laughs> yes because last last week walking down norwich i suddenly went oh that looks like an old rock and roller and then it was like oh it was the drummer of the darkness who oh well who cool. got unfortunately i think removed from the band and you know i'm not sure you know life you know he doesn't look yeah. that great i mean how are you um all uh, avoiding those kind of cliches of the rock and roll lifestyle that ends up in tears um i don't know <laughs> i don't <laughs> really thought about it i don't know i just uh, you know i just kind of i'm i'm a very present person i, I kind of just think about what's going on in the now a lot yes i mean I, I don't really focus on you know too much else <laughs> yeah no i just was kind of curious because i think there was obviously decades and periods where you know like substance abuse was too much and it all ends up in tears after a couple of great albums and a couple of great years but i just wondered if you kind of got that awareness of thinking god i really it's great fun but i really don't want it all to go badly wrong um no i don't know i, I I mean, this is my life. You know what I mean? It's um, yeah. I don't. I, I don't think I'd make too many changes. <laughs> yes. Well, absolutely. This is good. I mean, if there was something that you could have whispered to your like sixteen-year-old self starting out, had have there been anything that you'd have thought, yes, that would have been a good thing to have um, buy Bitcoin. 
um no i don't know um probably keep my mouth shut a bit more you know because i'm i'm quite i am quite cheeky yes but you know that's a learning curve isn't it really we all realize that but um there you go well look thank you ever so much for your time for this this has been brilliant and all the best for the ultra bond tour it does look amazing and um yeah i was i did an interview actually two nights ago with Alice Bag, who's going to be at the the festival as well. So she was in a band called The Bags, who were you know big in the 70s and 80s. Uh, I don't know if they were all female punk band, but I expect most of the band were female. So I would imagine it's going to be an amazing weekend in Vegas, actually, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. Are you going to stay there for for most of the festival? Or will you be sort of moving on? Quite well, quickly? we're gigging every night, pretty much. Um, and then we will go to the festival we play and then we got the tuesday off and then we got a show in denver on the wednesday and then straight after the show i've got to go to denver the airport in denver and fly back (laughs) because um yeah i land i'm flying on the first i land on the second and then i'm gigging on the third with anti-nova league blimey that's, that's quite something and how do you do you um you probably don't have a manager how do you deal with all the admin and administration uh, not very well. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, no, we do have a manager with with Ultrabond. We do, but I don't have the person, the manager person. No, but it's, I was just uh, thinking things like visas and. It's a source of great stress um, dealing with all that kind of stuff. You know, um, especially with me with like ADHD or whatever it is, or autism or whatever <laughs> whatever it is I've got. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, um, yeah. So I, I do, I do kind of struggle. Yeah, no, I just wanted to get there in the end. So. <laughs> what, it, what it's like to sort of suddenly appear at the airport with the right bits and pieces and having ticked the right boxes—it can be tricky, can't it? But um, yeah, look. Well, I hope it goes really well. I'm so excited that you're playing with Greg on Ultra yeah. Bomb. I think that will. Yeah, be I'll, just... I'll speak to him tonight and um, maybe. Yes, we'll... put a word in and say, look, there's somebody who would just love to interview you about your yeah. new band and probably about the and uh do you ever because he came he became a chef didn't he after husker do yeah yeah he was a restaurateur has he given that up now to um yeah i think he sold his restaurant um a, a few years ago i think i would imagine after having cancer you probably need a change of life really don't you yeah yeah anyway i'm really pleased he's recovered anyway because that's um good news yeah he's doing good he's doing good Oh, what Husker Do songs do you play? Um, we're gonna do uh, New Day Rising. Um, it's not funny anymore. Um, God, I can't even remember. Let me have a look at. Let me, I'll just. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Um, right. Uh, sorry, one second. Um. Could you be the one? Broken home, broken heart. Don't want to know if you're lonely. Oh yeah, classic. Makes no sense at all. Makes no sense at all. God. Yeah, and and was I think we do you remember the Grant Hart one? Do you remember? And that, dear listener, is the end of the interview. Apart from me trying to find that particular track by Grant Hart, which takes quite a bit of time. But anyway, I thought I'd edit it there. A massive thank you, as always, to Jamie Oliver for giving me the time for that interview. And um, as I said, he's now in a band called Ultra Bomb. 
Their album is out. Time to burn. Do check it out. It's rock and roll, especially the second track, which I think is particularly good. Fear Your Gods. Indeed. Anyway, this has been the C86 Show. David Eastall, if you want to contact me, you can on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just do C86 Show. All these have been archived. You can find those on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean. It's true. Anyway, have a great week. Stay safe.